Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good evening, City Church. The third um, and sermon reading is taken from Revelation 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. All right. Good evening, everyone. And nice to see us all here on this Christmas, uh, no, it's not Christmas, This for this carol service. And, um, you know, I have a very, very tough task this evening. Because how, how do you, uh, first of all, I'm coming after this amazing group of people. Yeah. But then, Sharon just blew the roof off this place. And then, Emmanuel, the Elisha to the Elijah has now set me up. Like, you have to do very quick, Pastor. <laughs> but I should, really, because it's Christmas time. And um, it's really about the cards, about the singing. And I have to confess to you, I'm a Christmas junkie. Um, and you know what that means. You know, you, you start playing Christmas songs by October. You know? Um, you, you start thinking about cakes. You start thinking about the parties. You start thinking all of those things. But, you know, the carols jump into your, 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 your mind and just to be jolly, all of those things. Now, I actually remember when I became one. Like, every, everyone should know the first time they had their Christmas conversion. You know, we talk about conversion, but there's a Christmas conversion. When did you actually, when did Christmas become, when did it awaken in you? When was when I was either four or five. It was, um, it was, it was a carol service at my, at my school. It was a nursery school at the time. And we had... Um, we had a presentation. We had a presentation, and we sang those, this wonderful uh, song. You all know it, "The Twelve Days of Christmas." <laughs> and the Twelve Days of Christmas, I was, I was, I was at the best slot. You know the best slot. Uh, you okay? So maybe we should let's just do. It. Let's see whether we remember. Let's see whether we remember. We'll just go all the way to the end. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. No, we're not doing the first. This summer will be too long. We're just going to the 12th. And we're going on the, because you don't know it. That's why. But it's my time to shine. So let's see. On the 12th day of Christmas. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love sent to me. 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords are leaping, 9 ladies dancing, 8 maids are milking, 7 swans are swimming. Birds. <laughs> oh, you know, you used to say call, call birds. Call birds. 
there's such a feel-good atmosphere in Christmas. I don't know whether it's just the songs, but I think it's also an anticipation of the long holidays that are coming, right? If your boss is very, very nice and gives you, like, uh, the last two weeks in December and the first week in uh, January, city church stuff is not going to happen. <laughs> We're a church, so just... But, you know, what ends up happening is we start anticipating the coming of Christmas. You know, Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming, so we're anticipating the, the promise of Christmas. However, it's very funny because the reason for Christmas wasn't about the anticipation of the coming of Christmas. It was about the anticipation of the coming of God. You see, he we, they, the, the original people anticipated his coming because he promised he was coming. We saw that in the two verses that were first read in the Old Testament, one in the first group of books in the Old Testament called the law. So in Leviticus 26, verse 12, we saw, he said, I will come and I will dwell among you. And it was as though they had forgotten because now, when he originally gave the promise, they were a people moving towards the promised land, but now they've come to the promised land in the time of Ezekiel. But not only have they come to the promised land, they spent some time there and then they were exiled. And it's like, well, will you ever come? And then the prophet Ezekiel also says, no, that promise that was there was going to happen in Ezekiel 37, verse 27. And you know what? God is a God who keeps his promises. Why? Because he is one that cannot lie. And so on the first day of Christmas, he came. He came as a baby, the baby Jesus, but also called Emmanuel. That name was to signify that his promise had happened because Emmanuel means what? God with us. So Jesus coming as a baby is what we often sing about when we think about Christmas. But I want to tell you it's more than that because this is not the end of his coming. You see, in the carol text, the carol sermon text that B.A. read for us, now we are not reading in the law, Old Testament back, in the past, we are not even reading in the prophets, again, the Old Testament all the way back, neither are we reading in the Gospels, the New Testament, but 2,000 years ago, we're not reading in the epistles. We're reading in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and we're reading in the final chapter of the book, uh, well, the final, the second to the last chapter of the book of Revelation, the last scene of the Bible, and not just the last scene of the Bible, but the last scene of the world. And now he's saying, not just that, he wasn't no longer a promise, it's saying, Finally, fulfilled that God's dwelling place is now among the people. We read the promise of his coming again. You see, while Jesus came 2,000 years ago, this is referring to something that has not happened. So when we think about Christmas, unlike the guys who were the shepherds that were there at the time, and then Christ came in a manger, what we should be thinking about as well as we celebrate what happened in the past is there is another Christmas. He's coming again. So we too should be anticipating the coming of God. Question is this, for what purpose? Why is he coming again? Well, there are three things I want to tell you. I want to give um, uh, three reasons for why he's coming. He's coming for a relationship. He's coming for residence. And it's coming for restoration. Now think about the relationship one. In both the earlier promises I said in the Old Testament, God promises to be 
our God, and then we'll be what? His people. What does that signify? Sounds awesome, but it signifies a relationship. He will be our God, not he will be God. And we will be his people, not we will be people. Do you really want a relationship with God? I said it sounds awesome, but let's think about it. A lot of us love to be known. Have you ever met someone that you instantly clicked with? You know what I mean? It was like both of you were on the same wavelength. The person said five, you said six. The person, both of you were thinking similar thoughts. It felt so good, didn't it? Even if you are an introvert here, when you meet another introvert that is as miserable as you, what do you do? <laughs> Sorry, I should have. No, let's, let's, let's take that back. All right, okay, okay, all right. What's wrong? You guys, ah, ah. Christmas spirit, what's wrong with you? When we meet people that are so similar to us, when we talk with people that it seems like we have the same, the same common, we have common interests, Maybe the same sense of humor. You know some of you here that like sarcasm and no one ever gets Lola, right? They don't ever get it. No one ever gets what Lola is saying. Have you checked her Twitter feed? Anyway. <laughs> same sense of humor, similar dislikes. Have you ever met somebody who, like you, just really hates PDP? <laughs> you should talk to my mom. Anyway. <laughs> Mommy, I'm sorry. It's her birthday. I shouldn't say that. All right. The person you feel that understands you in a way nobody else does. When you meet that person, you know what happens? We love them. And they love us as well. Because the qualities that we see and like in them, we can also, it's the same qualities that we have. And so there is the chance of relationship. We love each other because of what we see and like in each other. And they lived happily ever after. Until you guys become close. Like, when I say close, I mean really, really close. All of a sudden, it's no longer chat on WhatsApp. It's no longer lunch. It's, uh, let's just hang out Saturday, Sunday, come do sleepover, and then problem starts to happen. You see, at a distance, you only knew the person's qualities. But now, whether it's a church member, or it's a classmate, or it's a colleague, or it's a spouse, all of a sudden, by spending frequent, unscheduled hours with the people, what do you start to notice? And what do they notice in you? Their flaws. And their flaws. They notice that you have bad habits. Like if you're married, you start noticing that that wonderful, beautiful woman, she snores. Oh, oh. yes, women snore. <laughs> they start to notice your bad moral attributes. I always thought she was very, very nice, genuine. I now start seeing that actually it's a bit deceptive. They start to realize that you are not as smart as they thought you were. And worst of all, they start to realize that you are not as beautiful without the wig that they thought. I'm on the road. I'm on the road this week. (laughs) 
At this point, women are now doing this. <laughs> For once we get really close, for every perceived quality that they saw in you, they observe three flaws. Why? Because now they have a deeper and more accurate knowledge about you, and therefore they no longer really like you, and the result is that they reject you. This is why so many of us do not like get clo getting close to people. We keep them at arm's length, let's be honest. Some of us, like me at one time, I vowed never to get close to any of my heroes again. Because I make one hero, particularly in ministry, you read their books, you listen to all their messages, you must think, man, this guy, I'm sure this man, this man treats his wife like, I'm sure this man never gets angry. I'm sure this man never lies. I'm sure this man never actually is deceptive. And you get closer. And the things you never expected, you find. You see, I told myself, no, I don't want to know my heroes. And maybe some of us like that. I don't want to get close to people. I don't want to get close to people, you say, because I don't want to see what's bad in them. But truly, it's that you don't want them to see what's bad in you. Why? Because we are scared of rejection. See, on the one hand, we want to be known. On the other hand, we dread being known. Now imagine the person you want to get into relationship with is God, who knows all about you. Not only does he see certain things, he actually knows your innermost thoughts. You know that bad thought you're having now? God can see it. Do you still want to have a relationship with God? You see, because he not only, when he comes, he's not just coming as a visitor, he's coming as a resident. How many of us know, have ever had visitors that overstayed their welcome? Just hands up, hands up. I'm not coming to your house, I'm not coming to your house, I'm not coming. But you know how it is now. They said they were coming at three, and hopefully, you know, they'll live around five, six. But it's Lagos. They come around five, six. And you guys eat seven, eight, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden at eight, then they now remove their shoes. <laughs> so then it's at nine, and you now be like, and they are now just saying, I'm like, ah! Now why? You now be looking at your wristwatch. Kai, why is this wristwatch? Eh, hey, is it working? Nine o'clock? Wow. And the person's like, nine o'clock, you know, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Then you start, you start, you start saying, uh, hey, yeah, I wonder the kind of traffic you will go back with when you go. <laughs> then you start talking about all the kidnapping stories in Lagos. <laughs> They've overstayed their welcome. It reminds me of my friend. I shall not call her. Um, just talk about, no, no, no. I, no, no, I mean, I want to tell you a story about my friend. Not that my, no, Shola, it's not your house. It wasn't you. There was a story of my friend that just, I want to talk about overstayed welcomes. Um, this friend of mine, they were, she had four sisters and one brother. But the brother was the last born. So it was five girls. You know what that is, when you have five girls. The parents, they did allow them to have birthday parties, but there was only one room. You can have, invite everybody you want. Anybody you want to this birthday party, just to invite boys. 
And this continued, I, I mean, the gap between them was about, all the five girls, about seven years, six, seven years. So you can imagine by the time the youngest is a teenager, the oldest is about 21, 22. And at this point, they've never had a birthday where boys are allowed. So one time, it was one of them's birthday, maybe the second one, and they called a meeting, family meeting. They yelled at the parents, blah, 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 blackmail, emotional blackmail. Eventually, the parents allowed for boys to come. Wonderful. The girls were elated. They were so happy. Now they can do all the things they, could, they wanted to do. They can now dance. They can, you know, with guys. They can just talk. You know, all of those things. The mom had a different idea. So at this point, the party has started. But you know how, you know, parties when we're in our, I say when we were in our, but, you know, late teenage, early 20s, you know, it takes a while for things to get going. You know, people come in, we just sit down, we do as though we don't, we're not happy to be here, but you really like it. You see one girl down there, you do like, you know, you, you see another guy like, you know, and now you, people have smartphones, so you're just, but you're looking, and you're putting a story, hot guy around, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so it's getting slow, it's slow burning, and so there's food. And so the guys are eating food, and they're taking it, and everything is going well. So at some point, the girls were, you know, running around and noticing that guys, one guy is going, and why is, another guy is going. They say, what was going on? So they go into the parlor. They see the mom talking to people. As she's talking to someone, the guy is going. I'm talking to <laughs> What was the mom saying? The mom went to meet. She was looking at you know, seeing guys eating. So she then went to meet a guy, sat down next to him. What's your name? Obi, Obi, how are you? Fine. Have you eaten? He said, yes. She said, so why are you still here? <laughs> he said, the guy said, uh, he said uh, you go, you can go. Don't worry, it's fine. So she went and started telling all the guys there. You have basically overstayed your welcome. And what else are you looking for in party? You came to eat. We gave you food, free food. I bet come and go. People sometimes overstay their welcome. But you notice one thing. We can only talk about someone overstaying their welcome when they are visitors. Because a visitor, ultimately, no matter how good they are, no matter how long they stay in your house, they still have to eventually go to their own house. And because of that, a visitor can never truly know you fully. If a visitor comes to your house and spends three days or four days, that's when you bring, you know, you, uh, it's dinner time, it's lunch time, and you put the best food, right? Let them say that ah, something happened, flood happened in their house, and now it's two months. You say, I bet put off the light there. We only have Gary today. We're eating Titus fish. It's not, you know. No matter what, if they stay, if they are only visitors, they never fully know you. Not the same thing with someone who is a resident. Someone who lives in the house with you. You see, at that point, there's no pretense. Those are the people that really know you. Those are the people when visitors go out, you clean your makeup. They see you for who you are. Those are the people who, you are when you are so relaxed, your true character comes out. The temper bursts that you have, that no one really knows that you do outside. The people on the inside know you. Because the very reason, or at least the result of living with someone is that you get to know them. My wife, Tosin, Sometimes, you know, she looks at me and she just says, I wish people knew this about you. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, sometimes, because sometimes she's disrespectful to me. 
So I tell her, woman, the Bible says, respect your husband. She's like, which husband? Just hold on. I said, so obviously, at some point, you're not like, you dust it off. I tell her, am I your meat? And she says, she said, when you married me, you are, when you married me, there's, I say, if we're in school, if we're in school, I'll be, I'll be your senior. I said, forget that one. When you are toasting me, all that one went out of the window. Now, wow. So last night, I'll just say, as your pastor, I want to. And so she'll be looking at me and she'll be like, they won't know. You'll be, doing, you'll be doing man of God up and down and they don't know that you are. Why? Because she knows me. You see, the thing about this passage is that God doesn't just say, I want to have a relationship with you. Notice what he says. Look, God's dwelling place is now among people. God is not coming to be a visitor. This relationship he wants to have is within the context of eternally living with us. And that means that there is nothing that would ever be hidden from his presence about you. And so there you have this issue that we have. Because our greatest personal, emotional, psychological, and social nightmare is this. To be fully known by someone we love and to be rejected by them. Have you ever loved someone? Bore your heart for that person? Put all your effort? Did everything you thought the person wanted? And the person loves somebody else, not you. It's why some people have decided I will never fall in love. It's why some people have said I will guard my heart. But yet, someone says, if you guard your heart, if you never want to be broken, if you never want to um, be heartbroken, take your heart, seal it in a cold box. No one would ever be able to reach it. It will never be broken, but you know what's going to happen? That heart will become so hard, so hard, so, so impenetrable that you lose your humanity. Because even though our greatest personal, emotional, psychological, and social nightmare is to be fully known by someone we love and be rejected by them, our greatest personal, emotional, psychological, and social desire is to be fully known by someone you love and be accepted by them. Is it because if we decide to stay away, we are staying away from something. If we say, I want to stay away from people, I don't want to be brokenhearted, eventually, we who are created for companionship, we are created for relationship, we end up becoming lonely. The most chilling word someone has uttered to me in this church is this, Femi, I am lonely. Because I think I know what the person means. The person is saying, at this point in my life, I am not fulfilling, I don't have anyone to fulfill that thing that I was created for. I'm not having that relationship that meets my needs. To be fully known by someone and be accepted by them is a wonderful thing. You see, the reason I love my wife Tosin so much is this, that despite living with me for almost 10 years now, she has not left me. 
the truth. Because she's seen everything. She's seen eight packs become one full pack. <laughs> Although, by God's grace, in 2020, one pack shall be two pack. I'm not promising too much. You go step by step. But she's seen, me, she's seen me in my worst moments. She's seen this supposedly strong man weep like a baby. She's seen me at times when I'm insecure. She's seen me at times when I have lost my temper. She's seen me at times when I've hurt her. And she's still here. You know why she's still here? Because despite my flaws, she loves me and accepts me. And you know the funny thing and wonderful thing about that kind of love is that it's not blind. It's the kind of love that I see it because of that commitment, the love itself transforms me. What do I mean? Because she loves me and I love her, guess what? I want to be better for her. And so her love, her committed love, despite knowing my flaws, ends up transforming me. But as wonderful as Tosin is, guess what? Tosin is not God. Because you see, Tosin knows me more than any human being, but she doesn't know me more than everyone. Why? There is one that still knows me more than her. Tosin doesn't know me more than God knows me. And so even if she accepts me, here's the point. Would God come? know my heart, really want to live with me and have a relationship with me despite my sin. What do I mean by sin? It's the thoughts and the actions that come in my heart and my deeds that he does not approve of. Do you still really want a relationship with God? Now let me tell you something. You can. You should. Why? Notice, in the first time, the first Christmas, when Jesus came, he came in a cradle. He was in a cradle, but he did not go from the cradle to the crown. He went from the cradle, where? To the cross. We had God on a cradle on Christmas Day become God on a cross on Good Friday. Why? Because his love is not blind. Because Jesus died for me, Jesus died for you, so that I can have that restored relationship with God. God is not blind to your faults. And God should reject you because of your faults. But what did God do with this Jesus that came in a cradle on a cross? You know what God did? He rejected Jesus Christ so that he can accept you. He treated me as though I were Jesus because he treated Jesus as though he were me. And because of that, I am fully known and I am fully accepted. So can you. There may be somebody here, maybe you came in and said, I am a Christian. And by that you meant, I do wonderful things for people I don't cheat on my taxes. I'm passionate about the transformation of Nigeria. I have integrity. Of course I'm a Christian. But the Bible says this, 
if you disobey just one of God command, God's commandments, you disobeyed everything. You know, the only way you really become a Christian is to look at that Jesus that came in a manger. Now look at him on a cross. It's because of him that God can fully know you. You don't have to pretend in front of him, and yet he can fully accept you. But it doesn't end there. When he comes with his coming. You see, because that is the first reason he came. But the love that God has for you that fully accepts you while fully knowing you is just like I spoke about my spousal love. That love is transformative as well. He doesn't leave you in your sin. He wants you to continue to sin less and less. So what does God then do to, to enable that? He comes again, but this time he comes as the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes as a man, but then when Jesus was leaving his disciples, he said, don't worry. Don't be sad. Why? I am going to send you another advocate just like me. And so when he comes, he will transform you. The job of transforming you that I want to achieve will be done by the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says in Ephesians 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. But it doesn't end there. He's coming again. And that's what this passage was all about. You see, he promises at the end of time to come and not just restore us in our daily walk with him. Notice what the Ephesians 5 said. He eventually wants to make us glorious. Never ever sinning because we will not be able to sin. How does he achieve that? Well, what we didn't read in Revelation 21 was the context. The Revelation 21, verse 3. We didn't read the context in chapter 1. In, in verse 1, in verse 1, it was said, uh, the, the, the seer said, Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. When Jesus comes back again, you know what he's coming to do? He's coming to change, restore this whole world, but he wants to start with us. Why? He wants to make us fit for the world that he is creating. You see, if you want to go to space today, you're not going to put on the shirt that you're wearing. What would you wear? A space suit. In many ways, Jesus is saying, as I'm coming to bring a new world that is like it's out of space, I need to give you a new space suit. And what is that? He wants to transform our bodies. He wants to give us a body like his that will never die again. What was Sharon's doubt? Charles' doubt was that right now, the number of people living in poverty in this nation is probably around 65, 70%, or probably more. Why, if there is a God? There are people dying at home because there are no hospitals they can go to. Or they go to the hospitals and the hospitals do not have doctors or they do not have medicine. Why if there is a God? There are children that are, not, that are dying simply because their parents could not afford to buy them simple medicine. Why if there is a God? 
There are innocent people who are being slaughtered, many of them under the age of five in Syria, in Yemen. Why? Because people are corrupt and they do not want to give power. But I thought there was a good and powerful God. Is he going to do something about this? So a new heaven and a new earth. And the result of that new heaven and new earth is this. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. There will be no more crying. For the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. When will this happen? When he returns again. How do we know it will happen? How do we know that he will raise us up as glorious bodies, fitted for that world to come? Because Jesus, who came the first time, he rose from the dead, and he's coming back again to rise us up with him as well. That is why we anticipate Christmas. So do you want a relationship with God? Christmas says, you should, you can. Just come to Jesus and ask him to forgive your sins. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.